once again turning your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. Isn't it amazing how the Tuesday I, I, I kind of had a feeling all the way up to it that Kevin was going to not have, not be able to be here. But we weren't sure until Tuesday. He was feeling pretty good up to that point. And uh, when he called me and we talked, I said, okay, don't worry about it. We got it. We got it under control. The Lord will give us something. And just after I hung up from him, man, I'll tell you what, I sat down and looked at this chapter and the Lord gave me all four messages for the weekend set right there in front of it. We, are, we actually are at this very point in Scripture in our Bible studies on Sunday mornings. And I told the brothers and sisters last Sunday, I said, I think the Lord's going to give me some messages to bring from this next part. So it'll look like we're going to actually skip a whole bunch of verses when we come back to Bible study next week. But actually, we're not skipping them because they're right here in these messages this weekend. So Most have heard this phrase, Nothing in this world is sure except death and taxes. I'm here to dispute that. We all know that many in today's world don't pay any taxes at all. In fact, they survive because other people who do pay taxes are paying taxes. So so paying taxes is not a sure thing, is it? Now death, on the other hand, we all know we all know that that's a pretty sure thing, right? Right? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What about Enoch? <laughs> Hebrews eleven five tells us that he was translated, that he should not see death. So I guess death's not a sure thing either, is it? I'd like to take a brief bit of time and talk to you about something that is a sure thing. It is as sure as sure can be. Something that is most definitely a fact. It's so sure that it cannot change. I have one point, and if the Lord is pleased to lay this point to our hearts, my point, my hope, is that God, the God of all creation, the Lord of all glory may reveal this to each and every one who is here tonight hearing this word. Or that may hear it on a CD wherever the Lord sends it. And this is the thing I hope He lays on your heart. Salvation is of the Lord. And Jesus Christ is Lord of all. That is as sure as sure can be. It's a certain fact. In fact, it's as solid as a rock. Our Lord loves to use words that our small little brains can understand. And a rock's pretty solid, isn't it? That figment of our imagination called Superman is the only one we know of who can take a rock and crush it in his hands, right? No, rocks are pretty solid. It's so sure that it's described as a rock in His Word, a stone, a cornerstone. 
You know what a cornerstone is? In the old days when they were building houses out of rocks, they would start in the corner and they'd make sure that first corner rock was just unmovable. Because if it could move at all, the whole foundation would fall. So they'd get that first rock and they'd dig down and they'd make sure they get it all packed around and nice and solid before they'd start putting all those other rocks being supported by it. It's called the cornerstone. The very foundation. A foundation that you could build upon and it wouldn't give way. We sang the song last night in closing, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. On Christ. On Christ. Everything else is sand and it's sinking sand. If you stand on anything for your salvation other than the Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ alone, you will sink. I'd like you to look with me at 1 Peter chapter 2 beginning at verse 2. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now we covered those two verses last night, so we're going to continue on. To whom, verse 4, to whom coming, this Lord, this, this sincere milk of the Word, this one that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, there's that rock, there's that one, the solid rock, the living stone, disallowed, that means rejected, indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones, as living stones, are built upon a spiritual house, and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, also it is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Now I've titled tonight's message Precious 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 or Stone of Stumbling. It's a question for you. Is the graciousness of God through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, precious to you? No, it's not precious to everybody. I've shared this with some of you before. A lady came and attended the church with her granddaughter and she got up and walked out in the middle of services saying, I'm not a sinner like that. Not the sinner that the pastor was 
describing up here in the pulpit. I'm not a sinner like that. She got up and walked out. The Lord, the, or the, the pastor was preaching Christ and Him crucified as He had every time He stood in this pulpit. And I know for the last 23 years that I had the opportunity and the pleasure and the honor of sitting under that man preach. He preached Christ and Him crucified. And it was a stumbling stone to that woman. The Lord Jesus Christ and Him crucified for His elect is a stumbling stone to all of us until the Lord comes to us and gives us life to believe Him. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is the rock of salvation. So you may ask, John, how can you be so certain of this? <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to tell you, quite frankly, the Lord told me. He told me. Not with the audible ear. But He told me right here. This book... This love letter that He has left for each and every one of us who belong to Him, He has left us a word to speak to our hearts. A word that when it's preached with the power of the Spirit of God, the one who takes that word from the poor sinner standing before the people and applies it to the hearts of the people, oh, it becomes precious. Where it was once a stumbling stone for each and every one of us, it becomes precious to the point our hearts burn within us. He tells us through the preaching of His Word with words like Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is it a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, that's... There's a reason why you hear that verse from me every single time I preach. Because we are stiff-necked and easy to forget. And the Lord knows that. That's why He gave us the, uh, the institution of coming to His table. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because we're forgetful people. It doesn't take long for me to get outside the door or to walk away from this book and reading God's Word and all of a sudden I forget that He is Lord of all and I think, I can do it. I can do it on my own. Don't tell me you all don't think the same way. I know you do. And our Lord reminds us, for by grace are we saved through faith through the belief of who He is through the God-given gift of knowing who the Lord Jesus Christ is God in the flesh Emmanuel God with us it is a gift of God and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God not of works lest any man should boast with God-given ears of the heart we hear the word preached and we believe. Once I had heard with the ears of the new heart His glorious gospel, I cried out to the Lord. I cried out for His mercy when He showed me through the preaching of His Word what I am before a, a thrice holy God. 
unworthy of anything from Him. Only deserving His wrath. Just as everyone else is. The only difference between God's people and the people of this world is Jesus Christ and Him crucified for them. I'm not like that guy. Yes, we are. I've never done that. You have in your heart. cry out for His grace. We cry out. We had heard how depraved this flesh is before a thrice holy God and we cry out unto Him. We cry out unto the One who has preached Jesus Christ and Him crucified. For who, for we read in Romans 10, 13-14, For whomsoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, what a promise to stand on. How do I know because I've cried out for Him over and over again. Not just once, but every moment of the day that I can remember what I'm doing. I get up this morning the first thing I thought, think about is, Lord, I'm sorry. That thought went through my mind. Lord, I didn't give You the glory for getting out of bed and being able to breathe today. Forgive me. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Folks, to call upon the Lord, you must hear the Gospel preached. But man cannot reveal these truths to the hearts. I can't speak to your heart. In my prayer, I ask for the Holy Spirit to take the Word that God has given me and apply it to your hearts because only God can speak to the hearts of men and women. Only God can touch a heart and make it live. Our Holy, the Holy Spirit quickens. You know what that means? That means to make alive. That means to take something that was dead and make it alive. You talk about a miracle. The new birth is an absolute miracle. You think miracles don't happen today? I'm telling you right now, it's not happening in those churches where somebody's standing up here in the pulpit and saying, come up here and I can heal you. That's nothing but a sham. But when the Lord comes to one of His chosen children, and I've seen it. I've witnessed it in her. I kind of saw it in my own too. I didn't know what it was at the time. But I saw it plainly in hers. Oh my, the change that God does to a heart when He speaks to it and gives it life. We must hear the Gospel preached. And men cannot reveal these truths to the heart. We speak to the ears on your head, but God must speak to the ears of your heart to hear. And the reason is because of sin. Our hearts are stone cold dead. We come into this world speaking lies. And we all know we do. Well, all I did was change the truth a little bit. That's a lie. The devil changes the truth a little bit. 
and deceives himself. We come into this world dead in trespasses and sin. Spiritually speaking, we are dead in those trespasses and sin and there is no spiritual life in us. God the Father, by His Spirit, cuts away that rebellious heart and He gives us a new heart. The miracle of born again. <laughs> Ye must be born again, Nicodemus. Ye must be born again, child of God. Every mortal being is born lost in that sin and degradation. There was no spiritual life in me or anyone else who came along from the loins of Adam. Many hear His Word at times, yet it profits them nothing. Just as it profited Israel nothing in the wilderness, it profits them nothing mixed without faith. Faith from God. The gift of God. It falls on deaf ears. It falls on a dead heart. On a hardened, cold, dead heart. Yet the Lord is pleased. The Lord is pleased at times to pass by one and say live. Gives us a picture of a child in a field that had been left by its mother born and the mother hadn't even bothered to wipe it to wipe the the birth off the child left it out there in its blood and in the mud that's us before the Lord came to us and the Lord passed by that child and saw the deprivation of it and said live and that's us as the Lord passes by through the preaching of His Word, He says, live to the heart. Spiritual life. Our Lord is pleased to pass by some and say live just as He is pleased to pass by others and just keep right on going. Why is it important for us to know that? Because each and every one of us could be one of those that the Lord Jesus passed by. Each and every one of us could have been one of those who go through that door marked death not knowing who the Lord Jesus is. And by the grace of God, through His love, His eternal love, He comes to us in the day of love and gives us life. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 if you would please. 1 Corinthians. While you're turning there, allow me to read from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. But God, but God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us even when we... See, now this is to prove. Here's God's Word. This is what the Lord says about you and I before He came to us. Even when we were dead in sins, half quickened, given us life, made us alive, hath quickened us together with Christ. Now through the preaching of the truth, a very truth that most churches in the world today will not speak of, they'd rather speak of a Jesus who loves everybody, even though some will go to hell, they, they speak of a Jesus who is a failure, 
through the preaching of the truth, the truth of who Jesus is, God Almighty in the flesh, perfect in everything that He has done, perfect in everything that He did, perfect in what He's doing right now because He's God, He cannot fail. It doesn't say that all the Father giveth me, some may come to me. It says all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. That means there's no way that there's going to be any deceits in heaven. Every single one for whom God died on that cross, every single one for whom He shed His blood, shall be in heaven. Now you can't get any more solid than that. The word shall is strong. It means yes, it will happen. It means it's finished. Which is what our Lord said on that cross. This is for us. This is the grace of God for you and I. We who have had the, the mercy to have our Lord speak to our hearts and give us life that we would know His truth in a world where it's all spread out and meshed up and messed with with man's will and man's works. There's only two kinds of religions, grace and works. And I don't care what kind of religion you want to look at out there, all of it's works. Man's got to do this. Man's got to do that. Through the preaching of the truth, the Holy Spirit quickens. He makes us alive. He takes a dead spirit and He shines. He shines the light of Jesus in a new heart. A heart that no longer hates Him. A heart that is now willing to come. A heart that is made willing in the day of His love. Folks, we must worship in spirit and in truth. One that now loves Him we love Him because He first loved us. We don't just decide someday, you know, I've been on a bad path all my life. I've been a rebel all everywhere I've gone. I've created all kinds of havoc in my life. It's time now I need to stop doing that stuff. I just need to be a better person. There's a lot of people that do that and don't know the grace of the Lord. This love of Christ is revealed in the preaching of the truth, not lies, not half-truths. And as I read from Romans chapter 10 a moment ago, how are you going to call? How are you going to call on the true and living God, Christ Jesus, if you've never heard of Him? Are you with me in 1 Corinthians? I'd like to begin at verse 17, if you would. We're talking about precious or a stone of stumbling. Is the Word of God precious? Does He make it precious to your heart? Or is this a word that you're saying, oh, that can't be right. That No, that's not fair. Listen to this, folks, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but, but to do what? To, to preach. To preach the Gospel. How? How, how, how are we supposed to preach? Not with wisdom of words. Folks, you couldn't get anybody 
with less wisdom than the man who stands before you right now. I have not been to any colleges. I've never been to a seminary. I've had people tell me that I don't deserve to be in this pulpit because I haven't read through the Bible 15 times like they have. I know a man who sits over in Rome with a fancy robe on him who knows more about Scriptures than probably any man that you and I know of and he does not know Jesus. He can preach about all the stuff he wants to but he's not preaching about Christ and Him crucified. He can preach about all the wisdom of the world that he has but he's not preaching about Christ and Him crucified. Not with wisdom of words lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. If it was the wisdom of men, grace wouldn't be needed, would it? If we could talk to you and convince you out of the wisdom of His mouth before you, then God wouldn't need to give you His grace. But he need, we need grace. And it is by His grace is what we read in Scripture. <coughs> by grace we are saved through faith. Verse 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, a stumbling block. You folks over there at Rescue are just as crazy as get out talking about some pretend God, something of your imagination. <laughs> what foolishness! But unto us, unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolishness the wisdom of this world? Oh, folks, we think we are so wise. We think we're so smart. And you know, the Lord has blessed us with a great deal in this time, in this age. Look at doctors. They can take a heart out of a man and put him in another person and make that other person live. Isn't that smart? Do you know that's a gift of God just like everything is? That's a gift from the Lord Jesus Christ just like the air that we breathe is. Hath not God made the foolish made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom, what? Knew not God. You don't think those Israelites thought they were pretty smart? You don't think of all those people in Israel thought it was pretty smart? Jesus Christ stood right before them and preached Himself and they didn't see it. They couldn't see. People tell us, you know, have you ever heard anybody say, I want, Jesus, I, want, I want people to see Jesus in me. If they didn't see Jesus when He was standing right before them, where do you get the gall or the pride to think they're going to see Him in you? They're not going to see Him in you. Not unless the Lord Jesus Christ opens them up and gives them eyes of the heart to see anything at all. Oh, he's a nice guy. Or she's, 
she's such a great lady. She's so sweet. She's got to be with God. Woman's never been in the church in her entire life. How many people do you hear say this? They're in such a better place now. Person could have drank, rode a motorcycle, had tattoos all over, tattoos all over them, killed a couple people, and somebody's going to say, "Oh, they're in a better place now." Verse 21 again, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of what? Of preaching. To save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks, foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. What are some of these wise things that stumble, that some stumble at? And to others, they are precious. How about words like this? John chapter 11, verse 25, our Lord says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. How do you mean I'm dead? Pinch me. I'm alive. You can't tell me I'm dead. I'm alive. I can make a decision of whether this is correct or not. You can see how that was a stumbling block to you at one time before the Lord called you out of darkness? Is it not precious to your heart now to know that He comes to us when we are dead? Though we, though we were dead, yet shall we live in Him? Those of us who believe in Him. How about John 14.6? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. You tell that to somebody who's a free willer. Don't you tell me that. And I know because my aunt did that to me. She came to me and she poked her finger right in my chest and she said, you will not take my free will away from me. I didn't do anything. All I do is tell her that God is sovereign in everything, including man's free will. My will does not trump my God. My God trumps me and everything else with it. And then we read a few moments ago, Ephesians 8, verses 2 and 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now I cannot add anything to it. That's what that's telling me. I can't add anything to salvation. Salvation is of the Lord and of the Lord alone. It's by His grace that we are saved through faith, through the believing in Him, not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, not of will, not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy, lest any man should boast. But I also can't take anything away from it. Do you catch that? We don't add anything to grace and we can't take anything away from it. This is my rock of salvation. When I stumble, when I step in my own you know what? When I do something against my Lord, 
It's not going to take anything away from me because I'm in Him. It's His righteousness that I stand in. There is none in this flesh. There is none in this mind. There is nothing about John except for my Lord who dwells in my heart, the new heart that He's given me. And in that new heart, my Lord says, I'm as righteous as His Son. He looks upon His people, every one of us. And even though we're still yet sinners in this flesh, and He says, I see the blood of My Son on the doorpost of that one. He's paid the price. We are redeemed through Him. I've gotten quite a ways behind, so i got to get along. Our Lord has performed the deeds necessary to save His people. He is more than just a man. This man was not born of the seed of fallen Adam. He is not just any man who walked this earth. He is the God-man. Scripture tells us this in Matthew, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. The Son of the living God, as it says in Matthew 16.6, equal with God the Father, God the Spirit, for all three are of one accord, one purpose, and that is for Jesus Christ to save His people. What's the will of the Father? Is that Jesus should lose none. All of those that it talks about in John that the Father hath given Him, that Jesus should lose none. I'm so sure that my salvation was accomplished because of this. Because of the one who accomplished it cannot fail. This is why this is why he's called the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. In Revelations I saw a lamb as though he was slain before the foundation of the world sitting upon his throne. God the Father was the first to trust his Son. He trusted him when he made in the, in the uh, eternal covenant that he would save a people. God the Father said, that's my Son in whom I'm well pleased. He will do it. This very one who walked perfectly upon this earth who walked with no sin, was made to be sin so that His people would be made righteous, the righteousness of God in Him. Folks, we can't comprehend that completely. We, We get a little inkling maybe. But to understand what it means for God to be made sin, there's not a human being on this earth who can understand that completely. So who is the Lord to you? Turn over to Matthew chapter 16 with me, if you would, please. Matthew chapter 16. And I apologize, I I did not mean to go long tonight, but this is such an important message to my heart, and I pray the Lord is blessing you with it. Would you look with me at verses 13 and 14 of Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Do you hear the thoughts 
of carnal men. The very men who watched and saw the miracles of five. You think only a couple of people saw the miracle of 5,000 being fed on that hill that day? There were 5,000 people who saw that there were only a couple of fishes and a couple of loaves of bread. And the Lord made everybody eat to their fullness with it. Thousands of people saw that. Yet some called him Jeremiah and Elijah or one of the other prophets. Do you hear the thoughts of the carnal world? They think of Jesus in the ways of men. They don't see Him in His spiritual sense that He is because it's only revealed in God's Word and God's Word is only revealed to His people. He was a good prophet, they said. But there was something. There must be something that I must do along with what that prophet has told me. Salvation must be in my hands. I either got to receive it or I got to do something to earn it. I make a decision, something to that fact. It is our sinful nature to think that we have power over anything. Look at verses 15 and 16. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Who do you see when you read or hear about this one called Jesus? Do you see just a man? Or do you see the Son of the living God? With all power and with all authority over all rule, every detail in the Old Testament. Steve Doyle used to take us through in Bible study the Old Testament. and If you go back and you look in how the Lord directed them to make the tabernacle. Oh, he gives such little teeny details. You know, carve this, do that here, tap this to make sure that the the gold lays on it a certain way. Folks, that's a that's an example. That's a picture. That's a portrayal of how the Lord Jesus Christ looks on everything. He knows the hairs on our heads. Every detail is in His authority. Every detail. How can you think you have a free will over Him? (laughs) He can do whatever He wants with our will. He can do whatever He wants with anything. He's God. He's with all power, with all authority, working all things out according to His will. Look at verse 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Blessed are you if you see the true and living God, for God Himself must reveal these truths to you. And if God the Spirit is revealing these things of Christ to you, to your heart, then He who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus. You see, salvation is of the Lord. Look at verse 18. After declaring who Jesus is, after Christ declaring to Peter who it is that revealed Him, our Lord says this about Himself, And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build My church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now Christ is our rock. He is my rock of salvation and the gates of hell shall not prevail against His people. 
in His priestly prayer interceding for His people, for His elect, our Lord says these words, Now they have known that all things, this is in John chapter 17, verse 7, they have known all things that whatsoever Thou hast given Me are of Thee. How do we know that? Because He's revealed it to us. We don't just get smarter and figure something out. God Almighty reveals these truths to our hearts. They have known that all things whatsoever Thou hast given Me are of Thee. For I have given unto them the words which Thou gavest Me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from Thee, and they have believed that Thou didst send Me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which Thou hast given Me, for they are Thine, and all mine are Thine, and Thine are mine, and I am glorified in them." And then in John chapter 6, verse 37, we read this, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Now when your God says shall, I ask you this, does it mean maybe? There's a lot of people who believe that. There's a lot of people who say, well, yeah, you can lose your salvation. When the Son of the living God says shall... He means shall. For He speaks with all power, the power of the Almighty. There are no ifs. There are no buts. There are no maybes. In, first, or in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, we read these words, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth. Now listen, folks. We're talking about the Creator of everything. We're talking about the ruler of everything. We're talking about the Lord of all lords, the King of all kings. For by Him, by Jesus Christ, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. <laughs> you get to the rock that we're talking about here? Is this rocket becoming more precious to you? It becomes more precious to me every time I hear it. Every time I sit down and study the Word of God to bring a message to the folks here, it gets more and more precious. My heart burns within me as we read last night from the two men of Emmaus who the Lord opened the Word and expounded Himself to them. And He is made precious to this poor sinful man who stands before you. So precious that I come to him begging for mercy over and over again and again and again. <laughs> and I receive it. I receive it. You see, when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ for mercy, He loves to give mercy. And those who come to Him come to Him because He draws them. Real quickly, last thing, Isaiah 57, just a quick couple of verses, 12 through 15, a picture of exactly what we just talked about, Isaiah 57. Look at verses 12 through 15. Isaiah 57, verses 12 through 15. I will declare thy righteousness and thy works, for they shall not profit thee. 
<laughs> Your righteousness ain't worth nothing. You're in the righteousness of Christ. Or there'll be gnashing of teeth from you at the end. Your righteousness, for they shall not profit thee anything. Verse 13, When thou criest, let thy companies deliver thee, but the wind shall carry them all away. Vanity shall take them. But he that putteth his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy hill, my holy mountain, and shall say, Cast ye up, cast ye up, prepare the way, Take up the stumbling block. Remove whatever it is that's in me, Lord. Do whatever it takes to remove it as a stumbling block out of the way of my people, he says. For thus saith the high and the lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. Oh, that the Lord would revive our contrite hearts. Will you stand with me please and turn in your hymn books to page 348.